0: Thanks for that. That's awesome. All right, good morning, Redemption Flagstaff, how are we feeling? Good, good. Uh, yeah, I, I got to agree with Anthony, the whole idea of professional running. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. Um, so there's also a thing called professional eating, and uh, I'd be, uh, <laughs> I would try in that direction. Um, I want to say thank you again uh, to Alicia, and I want to just reiterate why we do that, and and especially because some of you might get an email uh, over the next few months saying, hey, we'd love to to have you up here to talk about that. Um, and, And the idea, again, is to continually point to this reality that there is no divide between sacred and secular, that everything that is under God is for God, is created by God, and blesses God. You see, he, he, he shapes every vocation and every profession, and so we want you to know that whatever you're called to, wherever you're going, that job is to be done unto the glory of God, and it has inherent value. And so the electrician has inherent value, the runner has inherent value, just as much as my position as the pastor. Because oftentimes in Christian culture, we exalt the ministry, right? We exalt that profession, and what happens then to you is you say, well, my job's not as important as that, because that's sacred, that's spiritual, and mine is not, and so we want to try and break down those walls as much as possible, especially as a lot for you students, as you consider, what is my future, where am I going? And then for the adults who are already out of college that are moving on, and and you're doing different things, just to encourage you in what you're doing, that you have value, not just because God loves you and sees you as that, but you have value because of your work as well, and so I encourage you guys in that one more time. A couple announcements as we get started. First, I just want to reiterate real quick, uh, we we announced our internship that we do every year, and so if you have any uh, questions about that, because I know I know some of you did uh, you see this in the back of this uh, event card which we hand out if you haven't gotten one of these yet you can go ahead and grab one in the back we do one every month and it has everything that we're doing every month and so you can refer to that um, big thing that we're doing next week is baptisms and so we're going to baptize a good handful of folks here we got some boys in the back that are doing it amen and it's going to be a really really good time and so if you have not been baptized next week is the week okay if you're well, say this: If you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized, okay, if, if you don't believe any of it, then it's just swimming, right? That's all that really is. But if you love Jesus and we toss you in the water, I and mean, that's baptism, that is a outward expression of an inward reality. God has saved me, changed me, conformed me to His image, and so we represent that in this moment. And so, if you have not been baptized but you love Christ, get baptized. Okay, invite some friends, bring people in so they could see the transformation that's there. If you look at the Bible, look at the New Testament, anytime someone became a Christian, it was like, let's find a fountain, let's find a pool, let's find something. We're going to dunk this guy or this gal, and they're going to get baptized. And so, again, I encourage you to do that. If you want to sign up, just come talk to one of us, fill out an info card, or just show up next week in clothes that can get wet, and we'll be good to go. Last thing I want to tell you about is this coming Saturday, and uh, we don't have a time for it yet, but Redemption Church has challenged the Commons, which is another church here in town, to a soccer match. And, uh, and we will prevail, okay? Yeah. That's right. Crush them. Um, no, we, you know, it'll be all in good fun, but we will, we will crush them. And so... Uh, no, so we're going to play a game, it'll be a full, you know, full deal, 11 on 11, and so there's been about, I don't know, 15 to 20 of us that have been out practicing every Monday night, just getting ready, taking this thing way too seriously, and uh, <laughs> so Saturday, we don't have the time. I tell all of you, because it's just going to be a fun time, we're going to do a barbecue afterwards for everybody to just hang out, get to know each other, uh, and so come and at least get some free food, watch the game. I don't know the time, and I don't know the field yet, because we're still narrowing that down, so find it on Facebook the city, our website, all those other places, uh, and then we'll have that going this weekend. All right, sound good? Cool. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 3, verse 20. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We're going to bring a Bible down to you. We'd love for you to follow along. Go ahead and get your hands up. We're going to bring these to you, follow along. If you don't own a Bible, you do now. Please take this, keep it, read it, love it. The whole deal. Okay. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Now, uh, last week we introduced... uh, Really, well. actually put a capstone, really, on what we believe Jesus was teaching in the first few chapters of the book of Mark. It was all leading up to these two illustrations that he gave over the last two weeks that says, man, I'm doing something new here. right?" That, that everyone was questioning, hey, why is he doing this and why is he doing that? Why is he healing this person? Should he be doing this? That's something only God can do on and on. He's doing all of these things, and people are saying, that doesn't make sense. And Jesus says, I'm doing something new here. I'm taking a lot of what you know, and we're not getting rid of it, but we're going to see it through a new lens. We're going to see it through a lens of me and my cross and the gospel, and so he's doing something new. And last week, we landed with rest. Because Christ is doing something new. Because Christ has saved the world. Because Christ and the gospel tell us we are set free, we can rest Now, this rest is greater than any physical rest that could ever be offered. It's better than eight hours a night. It is a rest that tells you you need not try and toil any longer. You need not earn grace. You can't do it. And so take that burden off your shoulders. Place it on Christ and continue with your life in service and in love of him and the gospel. That is the rest that is offered to us 24-7. It doesn't matter whether your eyes are closed or open. And so today, here's what he's doing. He's now moving on to kind of this next phase where how do we implement some of this reality? And what he's going to do, he's going to call together a community of people. So the title of this message is The King's Community, that Jesus Christ is going to say, hey, I need some people with me to do this well. If I'm going to live this out, if people are going to see me clearly, I need to bring together a group of people for my will. And here's the thing, community is severely underrated in our society, severely underrated in our society. Now, in the church, it often comes out as, hey, you know what, it's, it's just me and Jesus, and that's good enough. Right? Did you hear that from a lot of Christians? Right? They, they, and they were here on Easter, but there's a chance they're probably not here today. Right? It, it's the reality that we had 300-plus people on Easter, and then we have less than here today, because there's this. it's just me and Jesus the other 51 weeks of the year. I don't need community, I don't need people, I don't need to be uh, living and loving in the context of community, it's just me and Jesus, and that's just fine. We're going to see today, that that's, that's not just fine, okay? In fact, we're going to point to the reality that there is not a context within Scripture that would allow for you to live this life outside the community of God. It's just mandatory, okay? The second thing is, uh, I think outside the church, there's even a big problem with this. You read a lot of studies, look at sociological studies, and they're saying this is the most individualistic society in all of history, right? And they have all this data to support it and all these different anecdotes and stuff. And you say this is the most individualistic society in the history of the world, and we're living in it, and it is all over us that we grow up in that. There's three reasons why I think this is happening. Okay, one, and I'm sure there's more, but these are the best three I can come up with. I think we've bought into the belief that we are self-made men and women. We've bought into the belief, the cultural belief, that you, that me, that we are self-made men and women. And so you want to make something of your life? You go out and get it. You go out and do it. It's up to you. It's all dependent on you. You study more. You train harder. You work harder. It's up to you. And if you get there, if you get to where you want to be, good on you because you've done it. And so we prop ourselves up as this self-made man, this self-made woman. I've, I've done it. I've arrived. And we leave behind God. We leave behind the reality that we live in a world that there's just nothing you can do that is independent from everybody else, right? That the clothes that you wear, you did not make. This building, you did not build. How you walked here, you didn't make your leg. God did everything, you are dependent on something else other than yourself and yet somehow we've come up with this cultural idol that it's all been about us and we've gotten here by ourselves, self-made man, self-made woman. I think ultimately what we're doing when we do that is we're losing God as our creator. Okay, I think, I think as, a, as a people, as a community, we lose God as creator when we live like that. When you believe you've arrived and it's been on you and you've done it, you leave behind God as the creator of the universe and the creator of all things. That's the first problem. The second one is I think we are inventing our way out of each other's lives. That we are inventing our way out of each other's lives. And so you go back and you look throughout history and they kept saying, hey, this invention, this is going to give you more time with your family. Right, uh, this invention, this thing that we've done for you like You're going to use this and you're going to put it in You're going to close the door, you're going to push five zero zero And in 5 minutes you have dinner So now you'll have all this time with your family It's the microwave You guys, you guys weren't tracking This invention, this invention This is going to provide for you Now community can actually happen Because you're not going to be toiling through the rest of life And is any of that true? No, we've just found other things To waste our time with We've just continued to invent and invent and invent and create new things that just take up more and more and more of our time and push us farther and farther and farther from community. The funniest thing happened. Do you guys remember when, in, in Flagstaff, just a few weeks ago, when the cell phones went out? you guys Remember that? Like, it, it, it was chaos. Like, I thought, I was like, Is this hell? Like, I don't. People were just like, you know, like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? And so I remember walking into a coffee shop here in town. Every screen on the laptop was closed. Every phone was in a pocket because it didn't work. And you just saw people be awkward. Like it was the weirdest thing. You'd look around and you just, like, people were like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> do I talk to someone? Is that, is that the way, is that what happens without this? I mean, it's, I, I'm not kidding. It's crazy. Or we were at lunch at Pat the other Day. I'm standing there. I'm, t- I'm doing takeout. And I look over the side. And it's a family of four. And everyone's on their phone. They had not said a single word to each other in 20 minutes. I kid you not. Just sitting there. Hey, this dad's head down, mom's head down, two kids just buried. We've invented our way out of community. Okay. We've invented our way. I mean, and honestly, I was just reading this article. I was talking to some people about it. They're talking about you know the robots and, and just how sophisticated robots are getting. Okay, well, once we can get robots up and they can start doing all this stuff, we'll have more time for each other. And that was the whole thing of this article. And I was like, that is never going to work. And they're saying, well, you know, now robots, you can go and you can jump kick a robot and he won't fall over because he has this gyroscope. And I'm just thinking to myself, that's, well, one, that's a terrible, like, leave the robots alone. Have you not seen Terminator, right? I mean, just (laughs) leave the robots alone. This could switch really quick on us. And then we're scrambling, right? Right. But they're saying, you read this article and they're saying, listen, with this invention, like, Ward, with this invention, you will have more time for, and it just fills in all these things. I'm like, man, when has that ever worked? And so ultimately what I think we've done with that is we've lost God as our joy. We've lost God as our joy. So, see, he's not satisfactory. He's not enough. He's not good enough for us. And so, man, we've got to keep coming up with new things that will solve the problem because we're not satisfied with God. And so we've lost him as our creator, we've lost him as our joy. And the last one, you know, our desires and our mission have been trumped by the mission of the whole, okay? And so the individualistic desire, the individualistic mission, the individualistic vision for your life trumps everything else and the whole is left behind. And this is a problem because, well, throughout history, this hasn't worked, we go back to God, this hasn't worked. And so I think this last one, so we got to move a little quicker here, because I'm still in the intro, is this is us losing God as our king. See, we've, we've lost God as king. See, a king that has an idea of what this world should look like, a king who has sent his people on mission, a king who has set forth a vision for the kingdom, and so we've left him behind as king, and we said, no, we're going to come up with our own vision, our own mission, our own understanding of the way this world should work. And so I think it's these three things, and there's probably more, but I think it's really these three things. We've left him behind as creator. We've left him behind as our joy and left him behind as our king, and so we don't get community any longer. And so what I think we're going to see today is how Christ reorients all that. How Christ realizes that, realizes that, that's kind of just the proclivity of human heart, is to go away from him, away from community, be about our own thing. He's going to go at that, and he's going to draw people to himself for the sake of his mission. For the sake of letting the world know, man, I did this. And so here we go. Um, Before we get to the main text, I want to read some verses just about community and show us just real briefly how much the Bible talks about it. And there are, there are hundreds, but let's just do a few. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, as all the more you see the day drawing near. Romans 12, 9 through 13, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with a brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. For the sake of time, I got like eight more on here, but I'm just gonna say there's a lot. And it says community is good and it says to serve and to love one another and it says you cannot do this on your own. Okay, so Mark chapter three, <clears throat> starting in verse seven. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so all who had diseases pressed around him and touched him. And so here's the scene. Okay, And this is kind of almost a little bit of a recap of the first three chapters of Mark up to this point. I mean, it's just kind of, hey, this is what he's been doing. But Jesus again is out. He's teaching and people want a piece of Jesus. So everyone's crowding around. He says to his guys, hey, listen, everyone is coming. And so would you go get a boat ready? Because there's a good chance if I didn't, I'm going to die. Like that is how many people are running at Christ trying to get to Jesus. Now the language here is not this, hey, you know, I really want to see this guy, and so I'm going in kind of a reverent way. It's it's not a language of, hey, he's got something great, and he is great, and so let me go, uh, again, in a reverent way, in a cautious way, in a way that says, man, I respect who this man is. It's very much so, man, I love him, and I want what he has, and so I will attack him and get it in any way I can. And so the other night, we were at uh, Vance Joy on Friday night, and it was this fantastic show. But uh, it was crazy because we're sitting in this audience, and all of a sudden, you see one person slowly walk up to the front row, and then I kid you not, every girl in the place screams the loudest they've ever screamed and runs to the front row and crashes into the front thing. Right? And, you, and you see this guy, kind of like, he's like, whoa, you know, and he says, man, I thought we were evacuating. It was so crazy. And this is the picture that I get of that show. It's only funny to the people that were there. The rest of you are like, I don't get it. But just imagine a horde of people running directly at you. Crowds and crowds. They say, that's Jesus. And so they all run and they all attack and say, man, I want something he can give me. And that's what we have. That's the scene. That's the scene we have here. Is this man, you know, that guy, I've heard stories. You know, didn't he heal this person? Did, didn't, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't he say that this person was forgiven? Didn't, man, I want that. And so what they're going in is, is, is very much less a, gosh, I love Jesus. It's more I love what he can do for me. See, honestly, what, what I think this is, is again, they've, th- this is not the people that are going to get invited in. This is not the group that gets invited into the community of the king, as we'll see. See, they're hoarding, and what they've done is they've lost Jesus. They've lost God as their creator. There is no reverence. It's just, what can you give me? Gosh, I think we do that all day, don't we? Jesus, what what can you offer to me? Forget the fact that you're God and, and I should give everything to you. It's more, hey, in this exchange, what can you give me? And so I think we've lost him as our creator, much like this crowd has here. They just miss it. They miss Jesus. They miss him as their creator. Verse 11. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Okay, so also invited to this party, demons, right? So you've got this crowd of people running towards Jesus, and then you have demons. You have unclean spirits, people that were there, possessed, whatever it looks like. You have demons in the audience, and they begin to converse with Jesus. And I want you to notice the contrast that Mark has here. Because what you have is you have this horde of people who run towards him, saying, kind of this, again, falling over him and on him, trying to get what he would give, And then what do you have here with the demons? They're falling what? Before Jesus. Right? There's something that the demons are understanding that for some reason the people were not. There was something that the demons got that the people didn't get. That maybe, just maybe, this was God. You are the son of God. This is the proclamation of the demon. And so instead of falling over him, what can you give? They fall before him realizing they are to pay homage to the superior person. The word prospatine that is used here is the word, is where we get prostrate. Okay? That we would uh, be down on our knees before God. Be down on our knees for someone. And every other time, eight other times in the New Testament it's used. And every time it's given for someone showing homage or paying homage to someone who is superior. And so what you get is you get these demons who get it. They get this, this is God in the flesh. This is Jesus Christ, the predicted Messiah. This is who this is. And so they give him that glory. You are the son of God. We fall before you. You are superior than us. You know, but what's, what we see in this, maybe they got that first part right. They understood he was creator. What we see about the demons, what they lost, and we have to go back to the beginning of time, is that they lost their joy. See, they lost God as their joy, as their satisfaction. You see, demons were the fallen angels of God, created by him, yet they fell away and decided to partner with Lucifer, with Satan, with the enemy. You see, what happened is they were, and I, this, you know, I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, so be with me, but I, I think there was a moment, right, where they said, okay, I, I'm not really digging what God the Father is doing right now, and so um, we're going to go our own direction and follow this guy. So all of a sudden, God, who created them, was no longer their satisfaction, was no longer their joy. They sought other things to fulfill themselves, and so they fell and became what we know as demons. And again, man, is this not us? Do do we not maybe okay, maybe some of us okay we know we acknowledge God as creator, we get that, we believe that part of it, but then we keep this going and we're you know what though he's just not good enough. He's just not good enough. There's other things that I think would be better. I I like this vision of my life more. I I like this. I want to follow this person instead of you. I I, want to be tethered to this boy or this girl or this idol. Whatever it is, that is more important to me. It is more my joy and satisfaction than you are, God. And so I will go that direction. And so guess what? The demons will not be invited into the community of God because they miss this part. Maybe they got Creator, but they did not get joy. They did not get satisfaction. That comes from Him. And that, that's not good. You know, I uh, had a son talk about him, I think, every sermon, because he's just he is legitimately, and no offense to every other baby, the cutest baby ever, okay? And, uh, and Finley is just always, always teaching me new things about my relationship with God. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And you always hear parents say that, like, hey, once you have a kid, then you'll really know, Right? And I was like, yeah, but I kind of know. You know, man, Jesus. We're but once I had my son, man, it changed everything. And one of the things that I realized, even I was looking at this text this week, and you parents will attest to this, is when I walk in the room, right, I get back home from work or whatever, pull in about 6 o'clock or something. My wife is playing with Finley on the ground. And I walk in, and, and really like the second, I tell you, the second that he sees that I'm in the room, that kid lights up. I mean, he lights up, I mean, and he doesn't have teeth, but I mean, it's just like kind of that grandma smile, you know what I mean, like just, you only got a couple, and, and it's just lightens up, and he gets, he, it's so cute, because he gets like bashful, and he buries his head in his hands, and he like looks up, and I mean, it is the best moment of my day. I mean, it's absolutely cherished that moment, and, and I really began to think about my relationship with God in, in, in this circumstance, and I thought to myself, man, there is so much just about, man, it, my son, he likes, I'm sure he likes to eat, and I'm sure he likes some of the other toys that we've got him, but there's something about the presence of the father in his life that changes everything. That causes a joy and a satisfaction that cannot be given to him any way else, other than his mother. She's good too, right? But there's, there's nothing else out there. You can give him any other toy, you can give him any other thing, but so there's something about the relationship with the parent. When you walk in the room, it just lights up. And I asked myself, I said, Vince, when was the last time that God walked in the room and you felt that way? Guys, Christians, here, when was the last time you 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 came into the presence of God and whatever that looks like for you you just knew he was near, you were in his creation that speaks Psalm twenty to you how and you just knew God is here. When was the last time that your heart filled with joy? I I began to think. I was like, I I don't know. I mean, I I enjoy it. You're good, but man, where my heart was overwhelmed, where he was the single most important thing around me at that time. And and that's what he's going for. You You want to be part of his community. He is. His presence is with you. Continues. You are part of his group, his family, his community. And so, where is the joy in us, Christians? Where is the excitement? Dad is in the room. Dad's here. And I long for that for us. Okay. So this last one. This last one. He's, uh, he's going to choose 12 apostles here. Okay. And he's, he's already got five guys already set up. So he's got seven. He's going to pick seven of this crowd. And, uh, and he says this in verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. So that they might be with him. And he might send them to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And so he goes out and he says, all right, I'm gonna, I need seven more guys. So he takes them up on, a top, on the top of this mountain, which is in so many neat ways, and I'd love to explore this further if we had more time, but in so many ways, this neat kind of uh, tribute and, and, and hearkening back to the Old Testament where you see kind of Moses go up to the mountain and receive commands from God. You get all of these neat mountain moments in the Old Testament, and you have another one here, a very crucial moment in the New Testament, where Jesus goes up on the mountain, he's going to pick the other seven to, to, to form this inner 12 that would go and share the gospel with the world. And so he goes out and he does this and he says, this is what I'm going to do with the 12. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you two major responsibilities. Okay, The first one is to be with me. The first one is to be with me and I, and I, love, I love that because we leave that one behind all day. We leave that one behind all the time. He says number one responsibility. I am calling you. I'm setting you apart. I'm setting this aside. I'm going to make you part of this group that you would be with me. And I think we leave that behind all the time. We go and we get into this doing mentality. We go, we go, we go, and we forget to spend time with God. It's, a, it's almost a lost art to have a quiet time. My, I tell you, I talk, to, I talk to some of the 35 and up crowd and it's like quiet time all day. It's great. I, I talk to the twenty-five and younger crowd, and you've never heard of it, right? You're like, what's that? It's like, like a nap. No, you sit and you get in the Word of God, and you pray, and you sit at His feet, and you listen, and you speak, and you you engage, and you have that dialogue and that conversation. It's man. The, Sit at the feet of God, because here 's the reality what he 's calling these twelve into he 's like listen i 'm going to walk around a lot we 're going to walk miles and miles and miles, and you need to always follow me and i 'm going to say certain things, and when I say it you 're supposed to listen, and sometimes i 'll turn around and i 'll teach you, and you 'll learn from me sometimes you 'll see me engage with the Pharisee, and you 'll know that 's how I engage with the Pharisees sometimes you 'll see me heal somebody, and you'll know that 's how I heal somebody. Be with me, be in my presence, know me, be discipled by me, be Mentored by me, why oh, why do we not spend more time with Jesus? He is the source of everything that you want. Even if you're here and you don't think you have godly desires, I I guarantee you, even the desires at at the root level that you have, every one of them are fulfilled in Christ. Be with Him. Spend time with God. Spend time with Jesus. Number one responsibility those called into the community that God is going. Two is to be sent. And then he has kind of two A and two B here. One is to preach the gospel. The other one is to cast out demons. Okay. So he's like, okay, I'm going to call in the 12. Your first responsibility, be with me. Let's spend time together. Love me, engage in relationship, be discipled by me. And then two, go. Go. One, preach the gospel. And two, cast out demons. Now, preaching the gospel, okay. Got it. <laughs> I can do that. There's words, there's a story, we do that on Sundays. I I have yet to cast out a demon. Okay? I haven't done that. I've seen it. Okay? I've seen it done. We're in West Africa. We pull into this village. We're working with this. I mean, we're talking mud huts, mud floors, the whole deal we pull up. There's this guy chained to a tree. Like, literally, like chained to a tree. They like, got a guy chained to a tree. And he 's flailing like legitimately, like foaming out the mouth, spitting and just going wild. I, I asked he I said, "What is going on there?" He says, "Oh, guys, that guy's got a demon." I said, "What?" Really?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah." I said, "No way. OK. well, what do you guys do about that?" <laughs> I said, "Well, we chain him to a tree." <laughs> I said, oh, I see that." I said, well, so "We keep praying." He says, "But the problem is is that in this area, the first people they'll go to, it's a Muslim village, the first people they'll go to is the imam. And so we'll go to the imam, and, and if they can take care of it, then we're not called into action. And there's like a small, there's literally like a 17 Christians in this whole village. And we're talking like thousands and thousands of people, 17 Christians. And like, so they won't call on us yet. See, and then they, after the imam, they go to the local witch doctors and their animism traditions, and they go, hey, hey, we've got this situation over here. There's a guy, he's on the, yeah, he's attached to the tree. Uh, can you come and take care of this? He says, never works. They go and they try, never works. He says, only then, only then, after the first two attempts will they they call the Christians. And they call us in, and we'll go, and we'll go. And so sure enough, in our month and a half that we're there, about four weeks into our trip, after everyone had tried, they called the local pastor. And they let us come and be part. And so they go, and we unchain this guy from the tree, and we begin, because he will not walk, we begin to drag him on the ground, into the small church building that's on the corner of the village. And we bring him in, and as we're going, these guys are praying in this language called Yalunka, which is the local language, and they're pulling this guy, and they're praying. People are kind of laying on hands as he's flailing and stuff, and we pull him into the church, and just like that, lays down flat, quiet, silent, does not move a muscle. About 10 seconds later, he stands up, calm, sits down on a bench, and asked for something to eat. And it was gone. And it was the craziest, most worldview-shattering thing I had experienced. Now, I tell you that story to say this. I've never done it. But I do believe it's real. I've seen too much to think it's not. And and so I think that's just, I I was thinking, man, how do I teach this? Because we don't see this a lot. But preach the gospel, cast out demons. In other words, redeem the broken world see what he's saying is like listen, listen this world is messed up and people need the good news and they also have really serious physical issues that we're supposed to take care of and so the community of God what he's doing he's saying listen we can lose it in these ways we forget God is creator forget God is our joy and satisfaction so this is what it looks like be with him and go out and be sent into the world to preach the gospel and to care for people. And sometimes I'm, I'm thinking casting out demons is part of that. Okay. And so that's what we get. That's what the community looks like. Okay. Let's keep going. This last part. <coughs> Verse 16. So he appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he gave the name. Gave the name. And this is, uh, this is like the worst word to try. It's Vodnirdius. Okay? So everyone say Vodnirdius. Yeah, that was terrible. But uh, practice all week because it's a weird word. But vonirius, that is sons of thunder. Verse 18, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. And so he lists these 12. These are the guys. These are the 12 that he's going to bring together. They're going to live out this command. Be with me and be sent to the world to preach the gospel and cast out demons. This is what God has done. He calls this 12 to themselves, okay? You see, as we look at these 12, as we look, at, uh, we, we look at people being sent out, the demands of what community should look like, this is our last one. This is our last one. We, we lose community when we lose the reality of God as our king. When we lose the reality of the mission that he's called us to, to go to the world, to preach the gospel we sent, we lose community when we lose that. When no longer is he king, no longer can he tell you what to do with your life community cannot be formed around that these 12 guys were bought in okay these 12 guys said okay no no I see you for the most part rightly as you are you're my joy you're my fulfillment and I'm going to be part of your mission now I want to make sure we understand there will be plenty of days in your life where you will fail in all three of these Where you'll just walk around and say, you know what, God, I just don't think you're not that powerful. I I want this mission more than your mission. I I want this thing to give me joy more than for you to give me joy. Listen, that is going to happen all the time, over and over. But guess what? There's a thing called the cross and the resurrection that says, get up and try again. That says, okay, hey, yeah aim for this this is what my community does is what my community is formed by and looks like but the reality is is you're going to fail and so guess what I died for your brokenness I died for your failure and then three days later I rose again that you could rest because you need not toil ever again and so these things all of a sudden go from obligation of the community to gifts of the community we get to do these things because we're part of his family we get to experience him as the creator of the universe, to see him rightfully in how he has made us. We get to experience him as the joy and satisfaction of all things in our lives. And we get to be part of his mission to the world, to save that which was lost, namely his people, but all of creation. These are privileges for the community of God, that which we've been called into if we love Christ. Now. When I was in college, and this is kind of where, for the most part, we'll land here. When I was in college, there was I got saved as a, as a freshman. Oh, there's no, uh, what happened? We back? Cool. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't share the story. Hmm. Okay, no, we're going to go for it. Um, If it cuts out again, though, we're cutting it off. Uh, So I'm a freshman in college, and, and I get together, and there's a few other guys that I meet through an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ. Okay, yeah, there's a few of those. What up? Um, and So we get together, and we show up after a crew meeting on a Wednesday night. It's about 8.30. We decide, hey, let's go over to the local coffee shop called The Living Room. And we show up, and there's four of us that first night. And we get there, and we get a pot of tea, because we are too poor to each afford our own coffee. And you can get a pot of tea for three bucks, right? So it's 75 cents a person ultimate budget deal, right? And they give you water all night long. So by the sixth pot, I mean, you're just drinking hot water, but it was just still fantastic, right? And so we get this pot of tea, we start around 8.45, and all of a sudden, it's 2 a.m., It's 2 a.m. in the morning. We had talked at that point for over five hours. Just life and the gospel and God and girls and work and just everything under the sun. And these four guys, we did that every single Wednesday night for the next three years. And then we do it every single time. There's any of us back together in San Diego. We find a way. We get back together and we have these conversations and this dialogue. And I look at that community, and I look at other communities that I've been part of. And this is not to talk down on any other community, but I look at this one. And I say, man, that's going all the way back to 2002. Why is it that 13 years later, I feel more close, more engaged, and more challenged with these five other men, it group to six people, these five other men than anyone else I've ever been with? And I go back to this, because there was something where everyone at the table we acknowledged that God was bigger than us, that He created us, that our lives were dependent on Him. We realized together and pointed each other to the reality that anything in this world that is not God will not satisfy. And we continuously reminded each other that every single time He was our King, and there was a mission that we were to go forth on. And so listen, there are people here today where you're living outside of the community. You might be a Christian, but you're outside the community that God has called you to. And you need to get into it. The days of living outside of the church that people, that God has called you to, are, they need to be done and if it's not, it doesn't have to be at our church. I, listen, just be in a community of believers that are dedicated to these things, dedicated to the gospel. If it's not here, God bless you, go but find somewhere where you can invest and be invested in these areas. You have to. Because you will fail over and over and over again without it. And you will fail really over and over and over again in it. But at the end of the day, there will be someone there to say, hey, let's go get at this again. Right. Hey, hey, brother, you know what, man, I get it. Because I just did the same thing last week. But guess what? He's still creator. He's still king. And he's still our satisfaction. And so I just want to land with these three questions. Some of you might be here and you're, just, you're not a Christian. You, you showed up and you're here and thank you so much for being with us, spending your Sunday morning. And I want you to know that you've been invited into the King's community. You, and I don't mean you've been invited to spend more Sundays here. What I mean is you've been invited into God's family, into his kingdom. He is calling to you, respond in faith, love him, and put your faith in him for your salvation and be part of his community. Some of you need to do that. Some of you here are Christians, and a question I ask for you, are you involved in a kingdom community? So you might be in in God's community, the king's community. You might be one of his children, but are you involved in a kingdom community? Are you involved in a group of people that are doing that which I just described? And if you're not a Christian, find one, okay? Find one. If you're a student, there's a ton of organizations on campus. Crew, there's people that gave me like a little shout out there. Uh, InterVarsity, and we got a bunch of people there from my okay. Um, what else? Navigators is there. Actually, they're not there anymore. I don't know, but Chi Alpha is there. We got some Chi Alpha folks in the house. What up? Uh, Young Life, on and on and on. I'm sure there's ones I'm missing, but there's, there's stuff on campus. We have redemption communities here. We have groups of people all over the city that get together at a house every single week to share life, live life, and point each other to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to be part of one. Find a group of people to to, to do life with. Find a group of people to encourage with these things and be encouraged in these things. Okay. Please. This world is just too tough. The, the, The demands of the gospel are just too difficult to do it outside of that. And so find a group of people to do this with. And then the last option I want to share is that we do mentorship here and we love it. In other words, there is someone here, I guarantee it, there's, there is someone here that would love to take time to continuously pour into your life. We had a Find a Mentor Sunday and we had like 30 people up on stage. We said, hey, go and pick one. Go and get some coffee. Bug them, right? Show up to their, you know, ladies show up to their like yoga class. Hey, me again, you know? And just, just get into life, right? Go, go do that. Find these people and be mentored, it was incredible, too, because that day we had, like, 30 people up here. We had a goal of getting 35 of you. Like, we weren't really shooting for the stars, but 35 of you that would be in a, in a mentorship relationship. And I think of our last count, and there's a ton of you that have yet to report. So let say says, if you're mentoring someone or being mentored, please let us know so that we can be praying for you. Okay, but the last count, we had 62 people being mentored in this church. And, and, and again, let me, I only bring that up to say, like, gosh, man, we want more. Not so we have a higher number, because I just believe there's something so stinking powerful about a man who loves Jesus investing in another man who wants to love Jesus. And, and a woman who loves Jesus investing in another woman who wants to love Jesus. This stuff is too hard. The Bible's commands are too big. You can't do it by yourself. So find some other people to help you get there. Was John, it Johnny? Man, I love you, bro. Who was, who was that? what up, man? Thanks. <laughs> See, y'all already forgot that I was, like, trying to feed off those amens the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. Um, find, find, find some people, okay? Find some people. And, and I'm just going to say, I will guarantee you, I'm going to guarantee you that things that you've longed for, that you haven't been able to figure out, things are just like, gosh, I can't get over this out of the other, I, they're not going to go away tomorrow. Uh, not just, gonna, just because you've got a mentor, you're going to figure this sucker out. But it, it'll be easier. It'll be better. There'll be more hope. Don't do this by yourself. It's too hard. Jesus didn't. And he could have. If there was one man, if there was one human in the course of history that could have accomplished his mission by himself, it'd be Jesus. But he doesn't. He finds people, he lives in community, and he goes on mission with them. And I encourage us to do the same. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much. I just feel all rambly. There's just so many thoughts in my head just about all the stuff that you've You've done through other people in my life, and I thank you that that you've given me so many people that I look up to, God, that have rightfully pointed me to the realities of you as my Creator, as my joy, and as my King. And so, God, the first thing I want to pray for us is that we, as Christians, if we love you, that we would we would buy into that reality. That we would see you in these areas. God, you are, you have made us. You have made everything. And so you are much to be praised and revered. God, that we would be satisfied in you today. Amongst all the pulls and sways of this world, God, that we would see clearly how great you are and you would be our joy. God, that you'd be our king and that you would call us and send us on mission. And that, God, that would unite us as a church. God, would that unite the church in Flagstaff? God, there's certain, there's, right, and God, you know there are things that we just disagree with across our city, but but I'm pretty sure we can buy into these three. God, we can buy into the power of the gospel. And so would you unite unite not just Redemption Flagstaff, but would you unite the churches in Flagstaff, Arizona, God, to preach a gospel to a city that desperately needs it? God, would you shape us? God, would you know us? And would you equip us to be sent out, God, to preach your gospel and to proclaim the power of God through however, however you want to display that. God, I lastly just want to pray for any that would be here today that showed up and they didn't know you. Maybe they'd heard your name. They had some ideas. But God, there was, you, you just spoke to their hearts today. As we saw a couple weeks that just there was kind of a, there's a burning going on in their heart and in their soul. Lord, we do pray that you would speak loudly, reveal your grace, your mercy, and your hope. And God, would today be the day of salvation. And so God, thank you that you're in the business of changing lives, and thank you you've changed mine. God, unite us as a community. Call us to your purposes in this world. In your name we pray, amen.